Hey everyone, welcome to Six Figure Authors, the show that helps you take your writing career to the next level. I'm Lindsay Baroker, and I'm here with my two co-hosts. I'm Andrea Pearson. And I'm Joe Lalo. And as promised in last week's episode, we're doing another show to help you get things off to a good start in the new year. This one is going to be about some of the book marketing that we are planning on focusing on ourselves in 2022. (laughs) Andrea just reminded me that it will be 2022. Um, And it's a little bit of the tried and true. I'm not sure there's anything too earth shattering in here, but um, also bailing on things we've done in the past that, you know, we've kind of found aren't worth it. Uh, So hopefully you'll get something helpful perhaps out of hearing us ramble about our marketing plans before we jump into the main topic do you guys have any news that you would like to share sure um lately i have been working on outlining greater lands for the the fourth book of the 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 quote-unquote new epic fantasy series it's you know now four books deep Uh, i've also been cleaning up some old paperback issues Uh, i really place paperback releases at a low priority like i put them out at the same time but i don't typically put as much effort into them. So I've been going through and, and making sure that the covers are all appropriate and fixing some uh, you know, metadata. And uh, also filling in Ingram because uh, uh, for a while I was leaving out Ingram and just doing KDP print. But I like to do Ingram too because I have had multiple people email me and inform me that my books are not available in their store of choice. And I try to make sure that I'm available everywhere since I'm wide. Um, also, I have been working on some messing with some programs for making marketing images and videos because writing used to be my hobby and now it's my job. And when something goes from being your hobby to your job, it's usually a good idea to get a new hobby. But if you're me, uh, when you start indulging that hobby, you start feeling bad that you're not doing your job. So you start trying to find ways to make that hobby feed back into the career, which defeats the purpose of the hobby. And then you find the new hobby. It's a, it's a fun little cycle. And uh, so I try to keep it to a small group of three or four hobbies that I keep on just making about the books. And lately, it's been a 3D modeling program called Blender, which I have used to make a couple of uh, promotional videos. Uh, I don't know that they moved the the needle at all, but it was fun to make them, which was kind of the point. Um, Also, as I mentioned uh, recently on the previous episode, I think I was talking about it. I've been tweeting my entire art collection a few at a time on Twitter, just because well because somebody asked me to but also because it's a useful thing to sort of keep the conversation going and it's a fun little walk down memory lane and i realize that while i have a little bit of uh, video and a whole lot of illustration i don't have an awful lot in the way of music and when you're doing things that require music uh, your options are either to use the same royalty free stuff that everybody uses if you watch enough youtube you'll notice the same six or seven songs that everybody likes to use or you are, uh, uh, you know, courting disaster by uh, opening copyright pitfalls by trying to find stuff you can use and then finding out you can't. But if you commission something that is, that is yours to use, then that's not a problem. And I like commissioning art. So maybe I'll get some of those, like one for each of my series, just as a, as a fun little thing for when I do announcement videos and stuff. But that's where I am right now. Yeah, it's, it's a good point about hobbies. They have to be like, you need to do something, you know, not just be, everything's obsessed about your career. But if it's too, I find that the hobby is too engaging, like playing online video games or something like that, then you're just <laughs> bye-bye writing. So you need to have a nice, boring hobby that you can cultivate. I've been thinking of taking up golf. <laughs> I say it jokingly, but I'm actually not joking because it's like last summer with the COVID stuff, I was like, what's the fun thing I can do outdoors where you're not really 
having to worry about that stuff. And, but I didn't do it last summer. So in the future, you may see me on a golf course. But the writer mind being what it is, you would naturally start thinking of like, oh, what if there was a murder on the golf course or a dragon showed up? And then the next thing you know, you're writing a story based on your hobby. Uh, so no, no big news here for me. I'm thinking about my 2022 schedule. The first five or six months will be taken up finishing existing series, but I'm, man, I want so much to like streamline things so that I'm only working on one series at a time going ahead, but it's this constant battle between my muse, like what's logical and what I know would even be healthier, like not to have too many things going at once. But then you're just on book four of like some existing series and like, oh man, I really need a break. I need to start something new. And before you know it, you've got like three series going. Don't do it, guys. Be better than me. You can do it. I'm also thinking a little bit about trying to actually get ahead of my releases. I'm always, I, I see authors that have like that mentioned that they have books done that they're going to release in like four months. There's a pre-order or something and they're done and they're starting the next thing. I was like, wow, that'd be great to get that far ahead and just, you know, have a couple in the hopper so that you're not, you know, I, I'm usually fine with my deadlines. I don't seem to overextend myself too much and really get myself in trouble, but you know, there's just this quiet little ongoing pressure of, you know, got to get it to the editor, got to get it up for the pre-order in time, especially these days. I don't know about you guys, but I do pre-orders pretty much all the time now for later books in a new series. In part to kind of, it's always nice to get that big payday on release day when you get like hopefully thousands of, <laughs> you know, sales dinging the cash register at once. But um, also I just, it's nice when you, especially if you're hopping around in between like different pen names or different series. And then the readers know, like, even if you're releasing other stuff, it's like, oh, okay, that's all right. Because in May, the next installment of the Epic Fantasy is coming. So I find it cuts down on questions a little bit. But yeah, I would like to be a little bit ahead. You know, I've, I've seen other people do it and it seems like a wise thing. <laughs> I will pass it to Andrea now. Yeah, getting ahead would be really nice, but <laughs> I don't think I can, I, I can barely get caught up, let alone get ahead. <laughs> um, well, um, a, a few days ago, like three or four days ago, I had an update written about how wonderful things are going right now that I've totally scratched because um, it represented how I felt earlier this week, but um, and it was before I took the Clifton Strengths test. Um, basically, I was doing all the things and feeling really good about it, like all the things every single day. I'm like, I can do all the things forever, but taking the tests and learning about my top strengths, what my top strengths are really opened my eyes. Um, what my, I, what opened my eyes even more was getting access to Becca Symes private videos for my biggest strengths. Because once you, you know, do you, I, I registered to take her course in January and I emailed her assistant. I was like, Hey, can I take the, the, the test now? And so she gave me a, like a code to go ahead and go take that. And then when she found out my, what my top five strengths were, she sent me the corresponding videos for those strengths for writers um, that are private. And um, <clears throat> and the one that I watched, I've actually only watched one of them because it was is my main focus. And that's, sorry, that's my main strength. And it is focus. That's my number one strength. And I'm not going to lie. Um, while listening to that video, I had a hard time understanding how focus can be a strength. Uh, I had a huge surge of, dis surge of disappointment across me that I'm still dealing with. Um, one thing I love about Becca is her insistence that once you recognize the future that you've been hoping for is not going to happen, you have to give yourself time to mourn that future that you're never going to have. And I'm like, I am never going to be able to do 
everything and not, not meaning everything. I'm never going to be able to do the things that pretty much everyone else can do. Like keeping the house clean, like light cleaning every day and, um, like cooking, cooking every day and writing every day and, um, unpacking just the little things that like Nolan can do every day. And that a lot of my author friends and my clients can do everything. I cannot do that. Um, Anyway, so my previously written update said something about how listeners of the show know I'm terrible at daily maintenance and how plans to do all the things every day always fail. Now that I know that my number one strength is focus, I understand that I'm basically invincible when it comes to accomplishing the thing I want to accomplish. And because activator is a top strength for me too, I think it's number four. I hate sitting around when a decision has been made. And because achiever is a top strength, number three, I'm going to act and I'm going to laser focus and I'm going to work until I achieve the current big project, which is really great when you're an author who doesn't have family and church responsibilities, but I do have family and church responsibilities. The church ones aren't super difficult. I just teach a class in primary, which is um, Sunday school, basically for kids. And they're like sixth grade, sixth, fifth, sixth graders. Um, and so they're really, um, they're really easy. Right. And then I run primary activities twice a month for a small group of kids and I can handle that, but I'm a mom to young kids and we homeschool those homeschool. We homeschool those kids. And how, so how on earth am I going to homeschool, keep up on the house, take care of my kids and husband and write and run a business. <laughs> like Those of you who easily divide your time are like, what's wrong with you, Andrea? <laughs> and I know most authors who have little kids, they struggle, but I struggled even when I didn't have little kids. Like I, I struggled doing all the things. Um, anyway, so I honestly don't know what I'm going to do. I managed it fairly well when our oldest was in kindergarten and we didn't yet have our cute freaking rambunctious little toddler, but now things feel impossible most of the time. And I'm like, this is why I'm, I'm so discouraged right now because I just, I mean, I, I can't do things that other people can do. I can only do one, maybe two things perfectly. And the achiever in me needs to accomplish something every single day. Otherwise I feel like my days are wasted. So how do I use my strength to do all the things? Um, I don't know. Anyway, so I'm taking Becca Symes Write Better Faster course in January, like I said, and I know she and her coaches will be able to help me, but until then, anyway, her assistant today was like, she's like, just focus on the holidays, just focus on just, just relax, and then we'll get everything taken care of next month. And anyway, um, in other news, this week has been good. Um, I, I have done all the things. <laughs> every day. I've, I've brainstormed for my next book. Um, I've written on it. I've done homeschool dinner, food for the kids, like lunch and breakfast, which by the way, that whole focus thing. Now I know that it's normal for a person who focuses like I do to forget to feed people and to forget to feed herself and to forget to go to the bathroom and forget to like change clothes. I'm like, I now know that's normal. So it's not me being lazy. Like I just assumed that my greatest strength was my biggest weakness. Um, anyway, and exercising, I've been exercising every day, writing every day. So that's really good for this week, but I know the plan to do that, do it like that won't work forever based on how things have gone in the past. And then also just a shout out to our listeners. We have the best listeners. I love you all very much. <laughs> the end. <laughs> I've never taken that test, but I wouldn't be surprised if focus or even hyper-focus was one of my things too. Um, I, I, I may be a little fortunate in that I have to have routines also because I, you know, I'm fine with, I never forget to feed myself. Let me tell you guys, eating, not ever a problem for me. I wish. No, um, but you know, I do my exercise I, and everything like at a certain time each day. And that helps me. And I don't know if that's a you thing at all. So maybe that's not a you thing. That's actually more of a, I think an autistic thing, honestly, kind of requiring that routine and, and having a really hard time when there's a disruption to the routine. But I also like focus on a project. I like, to the extent of other things that 
you know, I don't have any kids I have to feed, just the dogs. <laughs> but um, I, I think I've admitted on the show before, I think like twice over the years, I've had my electricity cut off because the mail was just piling up. And I would just, it's just a thing I'm like, whoa, I'll get to it when I get to it. And I know I've learned that I have to absolutely have everything on auto pay or I'm screwed. I mean, why isn't the garbage being picked up this month? I don't understand. So I mean, yeah, hopefully you can get some tips for that class because it's sort of like you have to figure out ways to hack it to get through life, but it can be a great strength. I almost wonder if most of the people who write quickly and finish a lot of novels in a year trend that way to possible detriment of health and exclusion to other things but that's why you love it like you want to finish your projects it's not onerous the other stuff's onerous i mean i am i would say i use the projects as an excuse to put other things off to some extent so just want to say you're not alone out there everyone um joe or andrew did you have any more thoughts before we get into the topic uh i I the focus thing is a my friend used to say that my superpower was focus like we would refer to it as focus with a capital F and I'd be like oh Joe's found the focus again because he would I would disappear for four days and then hand him something that I told him I was going to do over the course of a month so yeah it seems to be a common trait amongst authors and I know that I mean I've I've I don't remember who it was but I did see an author who is high is very prolific um and I think his top strengths focus was not one of them but like um achiever and activator and then competition and so that author always had to be producing as much as what he viewed was his competition so i'm like i'm not competitive at all but i'm also not really structured so that's why like Lindsay's, like i have she has a routine you know and i do know that that is a strength but yeah that's not really one of my strengths i do better when somebody outside of me imposes a schedule on me <laughs> All right. Well, now that we've shared all our strengths and flaws, possible flaws with everybody, we will jump into the discussion. Um, before we talk about some of the things we're going to do, do you guys want to share, like, what are some of your current marketing challenges? Uh, for me, the scattershot nature of my backlist and the lack of any reasonable sales or advertising momentum right now are the core issues that I'm struggling with. Because my backlist is all over the map, and because advertising costs and advertising results can vary wildly from genre to genre, it's a little hard to put together a unified ad strategy, which means I effectively have to have three ad strategies or more. I mean, I have three main series that I concluded, but are the things I'll be focusing on, on advertising. But I have more than that that I could be advertising. And each of them are going to have their own subtle differences. And developing a level of expertise that spreads across all of them is, uh, uh, you know, troubling. Um, that coupled with like mediocre sales recently means that I'm, but I, if I'm going to move the needle, I'm going to have to do something fairly significant. Uh, you know, I can do the trickle and keep things going, but if I'm going to try to start, you know, turn the, the trajectory upward, then it's not going to be a little thing. It's in, if it's not going to be a little thing, it means it's going to cost money. And I can easily fail completely if I've miscalibrated the money that I spend. And you don't want to spend a ton of money and then fail. Uh, because of who I am and because of my relationship with risk, this typically combines to keep me conservative on my advertising and deciding to hedge my bets to take it slow. Below a certain threshold, though, advertising is sort of a questionable value. Like you're, We have had many people talk about how the goal of advertising is to get you up to the level where organic sales start happening. Like you're, Suddenly, people start purchasing because they saw you as opposed to because 
you know, your, so because of your rank or something like that. So uh, if you can't get above that threshold, then you're still going to presumably be making some amount of money extra because of ads. But, you know, again, you're not changing the trajectory of your sales slope. So uh, it's one of these where, you know, uh, my primary struggle is that I'm afraid to take the next big step for fear of failure. Uh, but I need to take a big step or else I'm going to fail. So it's one of those where it seems like it's a lose-lose. Uh, and that's what I'm sort of, that's why I'm taking some time to plan carefully before I make that step. Yeah, I actually feel like a lot of authors too are probably risk averse like that. Maybe wisely so. Like, I know we will talk about and hear about people that are spending you know, hundreds or thousands of dollars a day on ads and you, th you automatically think, well, it must be nice to have that much money to spend and take that kind of risk. But you, it's important to realize too that they've kind of built over, I would say almost not, you know, all of them probably have built up to this over time. And it's less of a risk if you're making much more of that in a month, you know, big deal if you spent $20,000 on ads, if you made $100,000 on sales from whatever your <laughs> KU and bonuses and everything in a month. So uh, I don't know that that helps anything, but I don't think most people go, oh, I'm just going to all of a sudden go from spending $200 a month to $20,000 a month. Like, I don't think that's necessarily a wise thing. Um, you know, and I've talked about how I like to just mostly do more spending around the launch of a new series because I'm reasonably certain that with between reader, regular readers, and hopefully get some organic reach and stuff like that's the time, especially since I do the rapid release usually and have like three books. So I'm not depending on one book covering the cost of all the sales or all the ads. So anyway, we'll, we'll talk more about this as we go on. Uh, one of my, my challenges with the marketing has just been kind of lately, probably these last couple of years. I don't know if I've been in a bit of a funk because of COVID and the world being weird or just I've kind of reached 10 plus years in my career and I've kind of lost interest in interacting with other authors and really being in the author community that much. I tried to jump into our Facebook group once a week and see is anybody looking for me, but I've really been not on Facebook and stuff very much. And it's just, I've defaulted to not really trying new things for the most part. I've uh, just, you know, set up the auto ads on Amazon every now and then I'll try Facebook and BookBub too, but that's the sort of thing. I don't have to interact with anybody to have ads running. It costs a lot more money than interacting with people. But um, I'm kind of like, well, as long as I can get away with it, it's working for me. So there's that. But I, I feel like I used to be like super excited for the challenge of trying new things. I remember when I started my pen name, you know, I didn't tell anybody. I was like, this is gonna be so excited starting from scratch. I'll have no readers, but I get to like do it all again. Now I'm kind of like, Oh man, the very thought of like starting from scratch and not having readers and having to do it all again is just like so exhausting. So, you know, I'm trying to like I'll push myself to do more than just throw some ads out there, you know, because I, even though it's working right now, I hate to take that for granted. You know, maybe there'll be a time where it's just not, you know, I guess so competitive that it's not really that financially feasible to do just nothing but ads. Um, hopefully I'll, you know, the readers I have at this point will stick with me. But, uh, I, you know, I do feel like maybe I'm leaving money on the table by not putting more effort into like marketing, especially my backlist. We, we just talked about that last week about how once you've got all these completed series, it's just you've already put in the work. So why not try to get things selling even more than they are? 
So yeah, really have gotten away from doing, even at launches, like doing, I used to a couple of times did the uh, mailing list swaps and <laughs> that kind of stuff. And it really works. Like it's a good thing to do, but I'm just such a hardcore introvert. I think that's part of the problem too. Not just fatigue with, you know, being mid-career at this point, having done this for a while, but just uh, having to always overcome that introvert tendency to not really want to be a part of group projects. <laughs> Dates back to grade school, guys, possibly preschool. All right. Um, Andrea, do you have any challenges you'd like to share with us? Um, I mean, I have no challenges. I actually have Excellent. a question for you. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> no, my question, because I know because Nolan is like 97% introverted. Um, I like with him when he's being forced to branch out, he gets more comfortable doing it. Do you think that's kind of what's happened? Like you don't need to. And so therefore your, your body and brain does not have to push for that. I mean, is that part of it? You think, I mean, you don't have to. This is the thing you can do whatever you want, right? <laughs> but just wondering. I do think that's part of it. I'm not as hungry now financially. Like I've met a lot of goals. I'm doing the things I want to be doing. But if I was to, like earlier on, it was more of like I got to try all these things to see how I can because I want to sell more books and make more money. And you know, now I'm like, well, I'm pretty cool where things are at right now. I, I do always have a little fear, like, well, what happens if things change? You know, or Amazon has the royalty rate and, and things get harder. So I don't want to ever take it for granted. But yeah, there's definitely like when you're driven, when you have more of a, that pain point, <laughs> you know, you're like driven to do something about it. It's probably easier to just overcome your natural instincts and to suck it up. Got to do these things to succeed. Yeah. Um, I know that like I get so much social time right now just for my kids that I'm like, I'm really high on the extrovert scale but i'm sometimes i'm just like i don't want to i don't want people <laughs> i'm like my kids uh like just leave me alone sometimes <laughs> um okay so my marketing challenges that i'm dealing with right now um the biggest one is deciding how much time to spend marketing my fantasy books when i don't plan to write anything else in fantasy again for a while uh, i want my backlist to work for me because i've got like 40 novels or something i've got between the novels and the novellas and the short stories and the kids books got over 75 titles. Um, and so it feels like a waste of time. I mean, it shouldn't feel like a waste of time, but it feels like a waste of time to market them when I don't have, when I'm not writing anything new. And I'm like, I know it isn't a waste of time because there's so much for Like if I find somebody who's never discovered me, they've got a whole ton of novels to read. And that for a new, a new reader, that's like, you know, that could, depending on how fast they read, could take months, you know? Um, and they shouldn't feel let down, but I feel like they will be anyway, if I'm not writing fantasy. And so I'm like, kind of like, I don't want to push my fantasy books, even though maybe I should, you know, I just, I don't, yeah. Um, uh, which is sad because that makes me think that maybe I want my fantasy cells to die. I, that's not what I want, but it's what I want I don't know I don't I don't fully understand and and usually this is me I usually have to talk to understand what I'm what I feel and what I think and so the, like maybe this will help me recognize what my goal is um anyway so other challenges I've been having are related to romance mainly not enough books to market and not enough reviews on those books but I do have to say that back in November the beginning of November when I did that big promotion that I told everybody about with the newsletter swap and all of that um my first book only had 22 reviews on it and now it has 42, um, which I just checked right before the show. And book two has over 20 reviews, which is really exciting. And I'm really grateful for that because I've, I, 
with book one, I published it and asked people to post reviews and I got seven reviews out of that. And so the rest of those reviews have come naturally as I've promoted the book and as people have discovered me and book two, I never asked for reviews on that. So all of those have come from people who, um, who naturally discovered me. And so, um, I don't want to sound ungrateful about reviews when they're so very hard to get. Um, but this is so, and then also remember, this is a, a brand new pen name with no built-in audience, except for a very small three-year-old newsletter list. And so the fact that I've been able to get that many reviews is really encouraging, but I also know I need a lot more than that to be able to make, you know, splashes. I want to get a book bub feature deal, you know? Um, anyway, so book one came out in March and book two came out in June and I've got now 42 reviews on book one and 22 book reviews on book two. And um, so my little, my little thing right here is, is to those who are just starting out, just have some patience, um, write another book, do a small promotion on the first book, write another book if you can, and just slowly, gradually increase the number of eyes on your books. And that will slowly and gradually increase the number of views you have. Um, anyway, so the only way to resolve currently current marketing, marketing challenges with my romance is to write more romance. And I know that romance or reviews will come as I build my audience. Um, and also as an FYI or an update for those who care, uh, I've also decided not to deal with a review team with romance for now, just because I've got so much on my plate already that I don't need, I don't need to have that on there as well. And obviously getting 42 reviews without a review team. I think that's, you know, I think that's decent. Um, especially when I wasn't doing anything to push for, I didn't even ask on my newsletter. I only asked my review team that I had originally that died. Um, anyway, so I just made that change a couple of days ago. So what I'm doing now is I'm having, I removed the email that asks people to, if they want to join my review team. And I changed that to a, please write a review on the first book in my series instead. And, um, I've had a bunch of people email me, um, just yesterday and today asking if they could do it. So I sent them links to it and I just barely made that change a couple of days ago. So we're just going to see, I just want to see how effective it is with an unestablished author. Um, cause I know I knew exactly about what I would get with my fantasy readers, but with romance, everything's new to me. So it's just going to be fun to see what happens, but yeah. So those are my challenges <laughs> to go back to our main point. <laughs> no, that's good. And I think it's important to remember that 42 reviews is plenty. Like I, I think BookBub's not going to snub anybody with 42 reviews as long as the average is decent. It's actually a little nuts right now on Amazon since they started allowing the ratings to count towards the stars. I'm like, I have books with thousands of stars and it's stupid. I don't sell that. I mean, it, you used to be like, you saw that. You're like, well, that's my son, like millions of copies or at least hundreds of thousands of copies of books. And it, it's like, it, do you sure you want this system, Amazon? <laughs> But uh, no, and the pen name is, I think that's understandable, not being sure how much marketing you should put into something when you're not still releasing new books. Although I, I did do with, my, I don't know, is your, uh, not your pen name, your actual name, your fantasy books, are they in Kindle Unlimited? They're in Kindle Unlimited right now, but I'm planning on putting them wide because now that I'm not releasing frequently enough, um, there's no reason for them to be in KU. So I, and, and I also want to start putting them in those apps that we talked about from the um, the conference thing. Um, and you know, like radish and things like that. I just want to, I just want to start branching into other things again, but that's going to happen. I can't take that break, that whole focus in me. I can't take a break from romance until I know that my romance is established. And then I'll take a break to focus on fantasy, to get it into a position where it can start selling again. I don't expect that to happen probably may about of next year. 
Yeah, I was just going to say one thing I did with my pen name, which I think we were talking about before we actually hit record, is it's probably been three years since I put anything out under that name. But a, a year or two ago, I said, well, let's put the whole first series into a box set because they are in Kindle Unlimited. So I was like, oh, I can make it 99 cents and get all those page reads. Uh, and so I found that it was worth, you know, it wasn't, it didn't do as well as some of my current stuff, but it was worth the advertising money. Like it at least broke even and sold some copies. And that name has enough books that there's like another whole series people can go on and read. So it wasn't like a crazy success, but it was, like, eh, it was something because I feel the same way with that name. It's like these books hardly sell anymore because I haven't released anything. I hardly ever remember to mention them on my <laughs> main name. And it seems wasteful, you know, because I think I've got like 14 or 15 novels under the, the name and maybe I'll get back to it someday. But I don't know, but it is a challenge. And that's kind of why I always suggest whenever somebody's like, oh, I'm just going to start a pen name. I'm like, well, let's think this through first. Like, it's okay to do, but just understand that once you stop posting or releasing under your regular name, things are really going to die off. It's going to be much more challenging to keep the ball rolling. So just something for people to consider. All right, well, let's dive into our discussion half hour into the show here. I mean, I guess we've been discussing stuff all along, but what are our plans for book marketing that we're going to focus on on, on in 2022? And I think we each have about three things we're going to go over here. So, Joe, why don't you start us off? Sure. Uh, not coincidentally, based on the last episode's topic, I'm going to be focusing on the bulk of my marketing on getting my backlist moving uh, better. For certain definitions of backlist, anyway. My main money makers uh, in my backlist are the Book of Deacon, Free Wrench, and Big Sigma, which are my fantasy, steampunk, and uh, sci-fi series, respectively. All three of those are more or less concluded. Because of the Patreon, they're getting new short stuff fairly frequently, but uh, the only the only things I've got that are like sort of full-length, probably likely to be released as novels, I've got two books in the Book of Deacon series, which could be wrapped up and put out at some point next year. Probably not, because again, it's not my focus right now. So we're going to talk about what I'm going to be doing with these uh, these series and basically bundles. We talked about, about it last week. I'm going to talk about it again. All three of these series already have a book one, two, and three bundle. Uh, we're talking about my career goes back, you know, 10 years. For a while, it was pretty well uh, agreed upon that as soon as you can bundle up a bundle, because there's something that you can lead into, you should do it because bundles are useful and they are useful. But uh, nowadays, if I had it over to do, uh, if I had to do over again, I probably would have done full series bundles instead of one, two, and three. Uh, I released fairly slowly, so it would have taken forever to get those uh, those bundles out, but I feel like they have a greater utility these days. However, uh, because I had that first one out, I was planning to release a book four, five, six bundle of each one, and just everything that's been released since the first bundle will be in the second bundle, and then I was going to have a full series bundle uh, on my personal website which I would then price appropriately for a full series bundle with all of the dozens of short stories and stuff thrown in as well. Uh, that was my plan up until about three weeks ago. Uh, I have begun to second guess it, uh, partially because I, I have some lingering problems on my website right now that would best be addressed by a full overhaul. Again, my website is basically the same as it's been since 10 years ago. And the needs and wants of an author site have changed significantly. And my understanding of what I should have had have changed. So the whole site needs a refresh. And that's in the, 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 you know, the timeline for next year. 
until I do that, it doesn't make a lot of sense to start putting stuff for sale on my site because my site is groaning under its own weight at the moment. As a result, that whole full series uh, on my site, not a great idea right now. And also last week's podcast, uh, Lindsay suggested replacing a part, replacing a partial bundle with a full bundle, like taking down the partial bundle, replace it with a full bundle. And I hadn't considered that. But now I am sort of considering that uh, and pushing the new full series bundle good and hard, uh, making it clear what it is. And honestly, even though people might, you know, end up purchasing it, even though they purchased the first bundle, each of these bundles is going to be three full books and probably one novella and a handful of short stories in addition to what was in the first bundle. Uh, and that will be releasing it at a very low price point. Uh, so I feel as though people... It's, again, as long as they know what they're getting into, I don't think they'll be terribly upset about the full series. Plus, Mike fans by now will have purchased all that stuff. And for the last new book in each of those came out a year ago. So I haven't made a final decision on how I'm going to do it. But right now, I'm leaning toward the uh, taking down my, my uh, well, <laughs> in the midst of talking about it, I keep on second guessing it, but... I'm either going to do the second bundle and push those or take down the first bundle and do a full series. Uh, whichever of those I end up doing, I'll be doing it next year as, as uh, sort of the keystone of my marketing plan. Yeah, I like the idea of direct sales for like a full series bundle since on Amazon, you've got that $9.99 cap still where if you go above that, you're not going to get the 70% royalty. And depending on how long your series is, like it's one thing if you're in Kindle Unlimited also and you can get page reads, like that's what I did. Like I have like seven or eight books in that uh, complete series bundle for my pen name, you know, and it was 99 cents for a while. Usually it's $9.99. Even that's a really good deal when you think about it, but trying to shoehorn things into like the existing system in order to get not get screwed <laughs> basically it can be tough you or you end up just putting it for sale on the sites that don't have that 9.99 70% you know that changes but I, I feel like there's actually probably a lot of authors that would like like the idea of direct sales but just have been putting off doing what's involved, you know, installing the WordPress plugins, tying everything into like book funnel and pay hip or pay howl or whatever you're going to do. It's, it's, I'm sure it's not that technically difficult. Although I'm in the same boat as you with my old WordPress theme that I've got on there. Cause guess what? Introverts also don't like to interact with, uh, what would you call it? Service providers going back and forth. You're like, Oh my gosh, just do the thing. I don't want to explain it. I'll just read my mind, please. Um, sorry. That was a bit of a tangent, but I feel like, I don't know. Maybe this exists and our listeners can let us know if it's out there. Uh, a, a website where you can just set up a store on the site and still get, you know, they do everything and you just put your books up on there and they handle the payment processing. You know, it's just, it seems like that should be a thing for those that don't want to do it on their website. Like I'm going to talk about in a minute cereals. And I was like, oh, I don't really want to do a cereal on my website because then it's, you end up with like thousands of installments and having to link everything together when there's sites out there like is it Royal Road and, and some other ones that kind of do that already for you. I'm like, I would just use that and, uh, you know, readers can deal with the ads. Um, but anyway, I guess I should do my first thing. I, if I comment on everybody's thing, we'll just be here for three hours. Andrew, did you have any comments on Joe's before I move on? No, but I do like the idea of doing, um, you know, the bundle thingy, the, um, the the partial bundle replaced by the full series or whatever. <laughs> 
Well, I, yeah. And we talked about that last week, just because complete series is like a real selling thing for readers. They're like, oh, amazing. Whereas if they get one through three, they may know there's still a cliffhanger in there and they're going to be, yeah, they probably had that experience. Um, so for my first thing that I'm going to try to focus on a little more next year is I've really this last couple of years, I've been really slacking on promoting my wide books. Uh, and I've, I've seen the income naturally drop off a lot. It doesn't help that I haven't moved anything out of KDP Select and exclusivity to the other stores for a while. And I think the last series I did, I just sort of threw everything out there and went to like, here it is. <laughs> you know, I, I think I might have run some ads to it at the time and, of course, announced it on the newsletter. But that's about it. Uh, you know, and that's so much different than when you're consistently releasing into all the stores and, you know, plugging it to readers and hopefully gaining new readers on those sites. I do have my, my sci-fi series that's in exclusive with Amazon now. I'm going to take that wide probably next summer. So that'll give me some new books. But in the meantime, I'm, I'm going to try to apply to book bubs more regularly. I, I have, haven't got it accepted yet, but and maybe take another stab at Facebook ads. I used to do, again, I haven't this last year or two, I haven't been as good about it, but I used to like do a promote a post on Facebook with all my free stuff, which would be a bunch of book ones with like a books to read link. So it would take them to any of the stores and promote that. You know, I've just been too, I feel like too Amazon focused lately. So that's going to be one of my goals. It's just even before I start releasing much stuff out there. Um, I'm also mulling over actually just writing something new with the idea of doing going wide. I, I really have been putting, you know, I put everything on Patreon first. So technically non-Amazon readers can get it if they're willing to sign up for my Patreon. And then after it's been there for a week or two, I make do the exclusive thing with Amazon. But it's been a while since I did this, like a a new book, you know, and it might just be a standalone or if I'm smart, <laughs> a standalone that ties into an existing series so that any push I did would um, per perhaps bring in new readers in the, the the other stores and, oh, hey, they've got like an eight, eight book series. They could check it out. Um, the only challenge is, of course, I need to write it first. And we've talked about before how it's always harder. At least for me, it's much easier to write something all new than to go back and have to reread 10 books or however many books are in the existing series so I can kind of get back into the characters and make sure I'm the world and I'm not going to contradict myself. So that's always the challenge with a new installment in a old series. And if you're a newer author, this is something you get to look forward to down the road is every after a while, everything starts to get a little fuzzy. You know, I was joking on Twitter just yesterday, I was like, man, I now have to ask my beta readers, like when I name a character, like, guys, have I named a character already with something really similar to this? Because it, it'll seem kind of similar, but you're not sure. And uh, fortunately, some of them have better memories than I do. My memory is horrible, so that's not surprising. But anyway, focus on selling more books wide and being a little more active outside of Amazon is one of mine for next year. Yeah, that's, that's, that's my focus. I mean, that's not what I'm going to mention, but that is something I do want to do next year too. Just, you know, I, I've neglected my wide readers for a long time now. So, um, okay. So mine, um, well, honestly, the Clifton strengths testing has given me a whole new perspective into how I work. I only know what my top five strengths are and I'll be getting the rest here soon, but already I'm pretty sure future future or whatever it is, one of my biggest strengths. I'm happy and positive about the future. I'm not negative about it or, you know, feeling pessimistic about it. I plan for it in a fuzzy way. Um, but when it comes to setting up plans and goals about 
about the future basically or the whole year or whatever it's never really worked for me i could say sure i'll do that but i changed those goals after a couple months of working toward them um just just listening to becca Syme again man she really should be paying us money <laughs> um, um just listening to her i know that I, this is how I am. I set goals. I work towards them. And then after a couple of months, I change my goals. Even if I haven't fully accomplished the main goals working towards, it's basically, I'm like, you know, my, my plans, my, they change. Um, and it doesn't make me ineffective. I still accomplish a lot. Um, I just like having moving targets and I function best with moving targets. I like to achieve things and I knock things off my to-do list, but like, I'll be like, well, you know what? My, my goal has changed and I'm going to work towards something else now. Um, that said, as an author with a new pen name, my biggest marketing goal this year is to, and this is not going to surprise our listeners, it's to write more books. <laughs> I can't market what I haven't written. And in order to write more books, I need to figure out more about what works for me, not what works for other authors. So, and that's one of the biggest things that I'm, I'm focusing on right now is just because it works for somebody else does not mean it work for you. And it doesn't mean that your process is broken. Um, so part of that is, you know, figuring out what works for me is taking that Clifton Strength test and then the Write Better Faster course through Becca Syme next month. And um, finding Becca's stuff has already helped me understand so much about my process and how I function, which is really great. But understanding your personality and strengths is the first step to becoming more proficient, not just at writing, but also at marketing. You know, you need to I, like my number one, my number one strength is focus. So I don't do little marketing projects. I will do a huge marketing project after I finish writing a whole book. Um, being able to work with our strengths instead of resenting them is super important. So for me, my whole life, I had no idea that my number one strength was a strength. I thought it was a huge weakness. Like I always said on this podcast, I can't do daily maintenance therefore. And my feeling behind that was, dang it. I'm, I fell at life. Like all these other people, they, they, you know, that, that really great routine, Nolan, by the way, he follows routines really, really well. Um, but I don't, I don't do that. I can't do that. Um, and is demoralizing to feel that my, my big, you know, before I didn't know it was my number one strength because I didn't know it was a strength. It, it's, it's demoralizing to feel that way. Um, anyway, so instead I now know that I'm able to be hyperproductive and laser focused and that I don't allow things to distract me from what I want or need to accomplish until I've accomplished that thing. Um, this is how I did the built-ins in our living room. It took me less than a month because I laser focused and that month was really great for me. I didn't overwork it. You know, I was still taking care of the kids very closely and doing all the things I needed to, but I still was able to lay laser focus and finish those built-ins. Um, basically rabbit holes don't exist for me. I've never had a problem with tangents and getting off track and, you know, over researching and things like that. And so I know that's a strength, not a weakness, but it does mean that I can't focus on both marketing and writing new books. So I'm not going to take a break from writing for a while because doing, taking a break from writing right now would cause, it would make my marketing plans not be as successful. And so I need to write to, I need to write more books so that I can learn how to market. And so this one, this goal right here, I think this will apply to listeners who are, who haven't written in a specific genre in a long time. Um, and they need to wake it up with a new release or authors who are creating new pen names, um, newer authors. Um, anyway, so basically write more books and to write more books, figure out how your personality affects your life, your schedule, your habits. And then once you write those books, obviously writing a book is marketing because you're going to, you're going to release it. It's not like you're going to write it and then stick it in a shelf or whatever, whatever they always say, the drawer. Um, actually release it because that is part of marketing anyway that was that a cop-out i feel like it was a cop-out <laughs> you're gonna write more books i i that's good no um i also 
like I, I can't do marketing stuff. Like I, I have to write the draft, you know, or, and then I take a couple admin days and I get really impatient by the end of the admin days. Like I have always way more stuff I could do, whether it's marketing or answering emails, like you could spend weeks doing just admin stuff, but I, I love the writing. And so it's really easy for me to just eh, get, get back to the writing again, almost sometimes to the detriment of the admin stuff. People who have emailed me know this to be true. <laughs> I just there gets to be a point where I'm like, yeah, I'm just not going to get back to that through any email that's more than like two or three weeks old. I, but I'll go through on the admin days and I'll catch up. Like, if you happen to email me during my admin days, you'll probably get a response right away. But if it's not during the admin days, if it's the beginning of the next book, you might never hear from me. Uh, so there's our weaknesses. Uh, all right, Joe, I think Joe's got another one. Yep. Um, I am going to be looking to revitalize my newsletter and to a lesser extent, uh, my social media for the bulk of the time that I've been using my newsletter. I've only been using it for new releases. Uh, like I have a, an automation sequence at the beginning that, re that introduces folks to, to my older stuff. And I, I find that's very useful. Like basically the only times I get replies, uh, from my newsletter folks are the new signups who are getting the automated sequence which is kind of interesting i don't get a whole lot of replies on the average uh, on the average newsletter but um I'm, I'm looking to shift it toward doing more regular releases uh, ideally with stuff that people are interested in but part of this is weeding um i have a separate segment for people who have specifically told me that they don't want anything but new releases and when i have a new release then it goes to that segment but everything else uh, is you know the segment uh, is you know everybody minus that segment goes on all the rest but i very seldom have sent stuff to that in the past i feel like if i start emailing people more i am going to lose a lot of people off of my newsletter uh, every you'll notice if you pay attention, every newsletter you send, there's probably a couple of dozen people who drop off. Uh, it, it just by the nature of people who signed up and either forgot that they were signed up or, or realized they haven't read any of your books in a while. And you shouldn't really stress too much about those people leaving because they probably weren't particularly enthusiastic fans or else they wouldn't be leaving. So I feel like uh, rather than going through the, the arduous process of like trying to use the metrics available to me to find people who are dead weight on my thing uh if i just do a couple more releases uh, uh uh you know a month uh i will probably lose a fair number of the people who are actually act actively ignoring like who are aware of my thing but not particularly interested in it the people who are getting spammed i, got, I can't do anything about that that's that's the metric thing uh, but also, I feel like somewhat more frequent releases will get the attention of those who maybe, you know, are still fans of mine, but I sort of slid into the background and only hearing about me, you know, three or four times a year when I have a new release hasn't kept me at the front of their mind. But if they see me a couple times a month, they might be like, oh, you know what? I actually haven't read the last couple of his books. So just same thing with social media. If you hit it frequently enough to stay at the front of people's minds, it's got a better impact. So I'm thinking of doing that. Um, again, I'm only going to do this if I'm confident that I can provide something that people actually enjoy. Like, I don't want to send a, a newsletter that doesn't seem like there was any reason that I sent it. So I might return to character interviews. I might do some short serial fiction. Again, I'm still mass producing short stuff for my Patreon. And not everything that I write for my Patreon goes to my Patreon because I still have the bad idea file where I have little fragments of scenes. So I feel like I can probably, without really substantially increasing my workload, start putting stuff into my newsletter that people might be interested in. Uh, also, I found out 
because of the Patreon. That a lot of people are really interested in the process. Like uh, we talk a ton about, the, you know, on this podcast, but my newsletter is primarily not people who are podcast listeners. And anytime I mention like the actual process of making a book, they get interested. So again, this is a side effect of making books. I'm producing content that might be interesting on the newsletter. So these are things that I'm considering for future newsletter increases. My Facebook fan page has traditionally been a really good source of engagement. It's sort of my number two behind my newsletter. Even though I'm most active on Twitter, Facebook fan page tends to have a bigger impact. Uh, so I'd like to get into the habit of doing updates there uh, more often. Uh, just discussion about the things that I'm working on and little background stuff that people might be interested in. My experiment with doing the art thread has been a bit of a mixed bag on Twitter. But not a huge spike in engagement, but certainly some. Uh, Considering it only takes a few minutes a day to schedule a batch of images, though, I, I think that I'm getting more than I'm I'm getting more out of it than I'm putting into it, which is what you look for for any of these tasks. So I might start doing similar stuff on the fan page too. The fan page is actually better for for sharing images because you can share more than four, which is what all you can do on Twitter. And uh, any success with pushing the books will feed into you know building a newsletter again. So everything I was saying earlier about getting interest back in my back catalog the newsletter link is going to be in there. So there's going to just naturally be some, you know, growing of the newsletter based upon the success of the books. So everything I said before feeds into this as well. Uh, and when I eventually get around to the website overhaul, I might start blogging again, uh, provided I can, again, do so without investing too much time into it. The blog itself is very low value, like just on my no one's coming to my site to read my blog. Uh, but the blogs are automatically fed out to other sites like Goodreads can read directly from your blog. And, uh, you know, I believe you can do it onto your author uh, profile on Amazon, stuff like that. And uh, so if I can post once and have it show up in three or four different places, doesn't matter if it's each individual one doesn't do particularly big impact. Uh, I know that I get responses on my good, like my, my blog itself unread, but the Goodreads feed of my blog gets likes and responses every time I do a blog post. So just feel like adding again, if I can do it without adding too much uh, time in my in my day, I think that just updating that and, you know, maybe having a little signature at the end of the blog that reminds people of, of uh, the newsletter and stuff, just again, to feed it back into the newsletter, because I've really let it stagnate over the course of the past few years. Right, I, I always find that the I, I still post somewhat, not regularly, I would say intermittently on my blog, but I mean, I've drifted away from just writing stuff. I used to blog for like authors and now we podcast. So it's like, I don't feel the need, but I, whenever I do like the character interviews or a bonus scene or a bonus short story, it's like, it's more work, but it sometimes it's worth doing. The readers really enjoy it. And those are by far the highest you know, I've got like one of those page view counter things and you can see like, oh, like it's like thousands more than just some random thing. And it's also a way to like if you put your chapter previews up there of a new release, you can send your newsletter subscribers to your blog and then you've got all your links there and your cover art there. And you can usually format it a little more nicely. You, you know, you're never really sure with email like. <laughs> what kind of mashed up thing or if it's going in their spam folder because you know, you put links to multiple stores in there. You know. I don't think that spam filters usually care if you link to your site, but I don't know, just rambling there. Andrea, did you have anything to add? 
No, I think that's a really great idea because the whole, that blog thing, because he's right, like Goodreads and Amazon's pages, both, um, they do, they both pull from your blog and it, it never even occurred to me. I'm like, I don't blog. I haven't blog, put a blog post up in probably two or three years, but every time I go to my author page, I'm like, oh, look, there's my blog post. <laughs> like, that's, that's real estate that we should be using. You know, I think that's a really great idea. So and, and it doesn't take that much time and you can schedule blog posts. And so you could schedule them to go out once a week or once every month for a whole, you know, take a whole day and do that and then schedule them. And then that's not time out of, and there you go, you can focus on it and then you can achieve it and you can be done with it and then go back to writing. <laughs> you, you do have to add to your author profile page on Amazon and Goodreads if you want your blog to display there. You might want to be careful if you don't post very often because then people, it kind of, because it's. I'm pretty sure it shows the date on your Amazon page because I every now and then I stumble across an author and I'm like, oh, they updated that in 2018. Okay, then. Uh, so be aware of that too, that it could be sending a signal that like, oh gosh, are they still writing? You know, because if they just glance at your books, they might not necessarily know if you're still putting stuff out. All right. So my next one, it kind of tie, all, all three of mine kind of tie into the idea of trying to do a little more outside of the Amazon ecosystem this coming year. And I don't know if I'll get around to it in 2022. I have a tendency to say, I'm going to do this and this and this. And then I only do maybe one of those in that year. But I have this, uh, you know, here I am talking on one hand, I'm like, I want to do fewer projects. But like I said, the, the muse does not always cooperate with what is logical and, and best for the business. And I've been kicking around the idea of doing a web serial for a while. I have a story idea that kind of lends itself more to like maybe just periodic installments. Uh, knowing me, I'd have to write all the episodes first. So basically, you know, or at least the first season, however, I was going to do it in advance, even if I was going to release a chapter a week, because that's the other thing with the focus thing. When you're working on one, powering through one novel, you don't want to like, or I don't want to take a break to work on something else until I finish the other thing. So I'd be committing to essentially writing the first book in order to kick off a web serial. Um, but that's a possibility. Uh, this would be kind of in part just because the story that I've come up with sort of lends itself more to like being serialized and less of a, you know, three-act structure, you know, kind of a typical novel type thing, more like mini installments in the life of this character. And it, it could be a chance to maybe bring in some new readers that, again, aren't Amazon readers necessarily. And But at the same time, my existing readers, you know, since the book wouldn't be on Amazon, they'd have to come to wherever I uh, put it out. So hopefully they would there'd be enough of them that would check it out that uh, it would give me maybe a boost and kind of help more people see it possibly that would be the goal anyway and it, you know it's something that eventually most people that do these you'll see they eventually publish the books <laughs> they'll have like these five hundred thousand word here's installment one you know from the serial that they've been posting every week for five years so it's just something i'm thinking of doing that would again be not in the amazon ecosystem and possibly get me some new readers on the other sites or even just on these sites that don't necessarily buy books, but sort of the Wattpad thing where they're possibly potential future buyers. You know, they might be the sort of YA age now or, you know, 20 somethings that aren't, don't have a lot of disposable income to buy books with at this time. But, you know, you, you want to get those people for when they're older. It's like, why does McDonald's have a playground, right? And Happy Meals is because they want to get those kids to be lifetime customers and enjoy their brand for the rest of their lives. So uh, I was at first thinking, 
oh, I'll run this through my site. But I was, I was talking about Joe and like, oh gosh, my site's not really set up well to do something like that. So I've, I've seen people mention writing fiction through Substack, uh, the newsletter service that, although I see a lot more nonfiction. Um, I, I was also looking at Royal Road, which seems to be one that's particularly receptive as far as the readers there to fantasy and science fiction, especially lit RPG, which is not what mine would be, but, you know, it might catch those same kind of readers. So uh, if anybody else is doing serials and there's, you know, you t Andrea talked about Radish. I haven't looked into that. I'm not necessarily looking to get paid for the serial. I can, when I box it up and sell it, I can get paid. It's more just, uh, again, kind of bringing people making them familiar with me and my style and possibly they'll go buy my other books if they enjoy it. Or when I box it up and put it into a book, maybe they'll want to pick it out. I, I do know you can tie in Royal Road at least into PayPal or Patreon if you are wanting to get donations or, or get a monthly payment for your work. So do you guys have any thoughts on that? Have you thought about doing serials or know anybody that's... <laughs> I have seen people, there are successful authors out there that aren't even like Amazon bestsellers. They're just, they've completely built their career around doing the serials like within a time of Patreon or something. So it's a possibility for people that like to write that way. Um, Sarah Wilson. I mean, we had her come on. She writes her dragon serials and she's done very well with those. And But she publishes on Amazon, right? That's, yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. that's true. I was, that's why I was thinking like outside of the yeah. sort of traditional store system. But yeah, they can work also on Amazon. Sure. I have uh, I've done two serials that eventually boxed up into novels. Uh, one of them was on Wattpad, um, and, and the other one I actually ha I created a a Tumblr uh, blog, whatever they called them. Um, I couldn't tell you, how, you know. Likewise, I wasn't running these to make money. I made money when I eventually made them into a, a novel release. But uh, I just I like serials because, and it's the itch that Patreon is scratching. I don't write as quickly as, as uh, you know, some authors do. I don't write as quickly as you do. So um, just getting feedback more regularly, it, it fueled me a little bit. Uh, and also, I definitely have found that there's a certain type of reader who we're talking about routines, a certain type of reader who really likes the idea of, oh, it's Monday at noon. The new uh, that the new chapter for that thing is going to be out like it. it it's in uh, heck. Our YouTube listeners, uh, uh, or you know, our podcast listeners, the ones that I I hear from are on YouTube, and plenty of them have made it clear to me that they really look forward to me posting, which means I really ought to be posting at a regular time every day, as opposed to when I remember. But uh, yeah, so serials, like I I like them, and that's why I sort of had them on my list too. It's a nice thing to have regular releases that people can talk about. That is a good point that if you're going to do it, you should release regularly, like every Monday, or you'll see people do Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Monday, Wednesday, Friday, if they do short things. Um, and I do think it is important to note that this, the people who have success with this are the ones that are writing hundreds of thousands of words in these serials, millions of words eventually. So your story has to be kind of designed to be ongoing over years because it'll be like in the fourth year someone is doing this that they just, it snowballs, you know, and suddenly, hey, they're making like 10,000 a month on their Patreon from their serial supporters. Uh, maybe we can find one of those people and get them on the show one day. It'd be good to talk about. Um, but I will pass it to Andrea next for the next one. 
Yeah, I was going to say cereals, you don't, you can't just take a novel and break it into pieces. It's, it's not the way cereals are written. So that was me back in the day when everybody's like, write cereals. And I was like, well, I'm just going to take a novel and break it into pieces. But I don't, I'm not a serial writer. I would love to be, but I don't think that's going to ever be one of my strengths. So, okay. So my next marketing goal for 2022, and this is again, because it's a new pen name. So this applies to our authors, our listeners who are newer authors. My goal is to get 10,000 subscribers on my romance newsletter list. And people are going to be like, that's impossible. It's so hard to get subscribers. It is. It's a little hard to get subscribers, but once you learn how to do it, then it's not as difficult. Um, and then I know that a lot of people are like, don't put a number on it because then you're going to end up with, you know, the numbers, the only important thing, and you'll probably end up with bad subscribers. And I know myself and I know my ethics. Um, I won't put bad subscribers on my list. I put people who actually want to be there. So I do like this double system check where, you know, they, they, they have to make sure that they want to be there. Um, and not just like the, what is it called? The European rules, laws, things like that. I can't remember what those are called. Um, so not just that, but also every single email in my newsletter automation sequence has a very noticeable unsubscribe here. If you don't want to hear from me and I get fairly decent opens on my automation sequences. And so, um, I just want to, I, my goal is to take you know, my newsletter subscribers that I find through different ways and make sure that they want to be there and that I'm converting them to become fans, like true fans. Um, so those 10,000 readers will be good ones with the potential of becoming great ones. I've, um, I have in the last month or so, I've added over a thousand subscribers. So I'm up to about almost 2000 now. Um, and how am I going to get the other 8,000? So all the usual ways, I mean, again, write more books, promote those books, and then make sure I have a solid reader magnet to attract readers to my newsletter list. And then once they're on, making sure that my automation sequence um, helps them figure out who I am so that I don't have to do that. Um, and then I'll also be participating in newsletter building events like Ryan Z's. I don't remember what they call themselves anymore and now, but I know it's changed. Um, I haven't been able to get any of those for a long time because they fill up so quickly and I'm not on email except every couple of days, every few days. Um, and then I'm going to be doing my own giveaways using King Sumo. I did buy the website version of that. It's so much better than the, the one that you have to host on your own website. I'm so glad they, um, they started doing a website version. It's so much better. Uh, and so I'll be using, doing that. And then I'm going to be taking part and I've already done this, um, which is what I've been doing already. Um, I'm going to be taking part regularly in book funnel, book funnel events, newsletter building events. And, and they've been going really, really great so far. And those newsletter readers are, they're very, um, what's the word? Very, they interact very greatly. So they open, they email me They're you know, like, I'm really liking your book. So it's not, I kind of found with urban fantasy that a lot of the newsletter building, like the readers that, that went through those newsletter building, um, opportunity things, they kind of started burning out. And I haven't found that to be the case with romance. I think it's part of partly because romance readers really are more voracious. Uh, I look at my mom and she reads, you know, a romance book a day, sometimes two books a day. And um, that's, that's really common with romance readers. And it's not as common with urban fantasy, at least not in my experience and working with authors and talking to my own readers that, you know, they just, they don't read books as quickly. Um, Anyway, they, they, they tend to be more the sit down and savor the fantasy than the romance 
readers who just devour. Um, anyway, so I haven't noticed that kind of stagnation with romance readers yet that I noticed with fantasy. And I'm hoping that continues, you know, that it stays that way. But if it does, then I'll just find new ways to build my newsletter list. And what that will most likely be is focusing on doing my own giveaways using King Sumo, um, because that worked really well. Once I stopped, I had to stop signing up for the multi-author events and things like that to build newsletters, because like I said, with fantasy, those readers kind of, they weren't as solid. Um, and so when I switched to using King Sumo events that I advertised myself as single author event with a big um, giveaway prize, usually like, you know, 10 books of mine in print, like my Mosaic Chronicles in print, stuff like that. Then, you know, and then I used my Facebook ads and targeted specific readers of my genre. Um, those did so much better. And they're more, a little bit more expensive, um, depending, you know, like a five book a day or $5 a day Facebook ad compared to, you know, $60 to participate in the, um, the newsletter building things, you know, I mean, I don't know. And then it's a little bit more work to set up, I guess, but I don't know. I love it. I think it's great. And then you're not having to email your list about all these other authors books, which, you know, I want to help other authors, but sometimes you just got to help yourself. There you go. I just gave you permission to be selfish. <laughs> Selfishness is, uh, is something that a lot of us actually need to work on because we're, I know a lot of like it's introverts, introverts, are also sometimes people pleasers, which is a weird combination to have. But yeah, so the ability to sort of focus on yourself is something that you got to keep in mind. Uh, so for my next thing, uh, traditionally, get better at day-to-day -day advertising has been on my annual to-do list. And the fact that it's there year after year, and you know, it gives you some indication of what my success has been on it. And I guess it's still on there. But uh, my analysis of the ROI on my recent advertising has been break-even at best. A lot of the stuff... I, I most need advertising push in or in very crowded genres like my urban fantasy, which was sort of, you know, it, it never really took off. Uh, and that would explain that. Uh, getting Amazon's auto ads to feed anything resembling reasonable cost per click has been really troubling for me. On my last six or seven attempts, uh, I would have like one or two days of getting good uh, good traction. And, and then it would just become, it would just start spending my, my, uh, my money or wouldn't be feeding my ad. Like, I just couldn't find that sweet spot where it was worth doing. So, I mean, I'll probably keep doing those at a low enough level that it's not going to, to hurt my, my, my bottom line. But I, I'm putting it on my to-do list to probably be ignored for a full year that uh, I should start spending some more time on manual ads to see if I can use the greater control to sort of min-max my, my response and, and tease out a little bit more profitability. Um, and also, uh, it's likely that I'll double down on launch advertising. I, I, I have not done like a really, really well planned big launch, uh, in quite a while. So, and the problem is I usually am too focused on producing the book. And then when the time comes to release the book, I have not given myself enough time to book all the promos that I might have for, for that launch. So I'm going to try to start planning my advertising further ahead and make my focus on feature ads and deal sites type type stuff so that I don't have to worry too much about how well the other ads are doing if I'm having trouble with them. It's kind of one of my challenges too, that by the time the book releases, I'm absorbed in the next project. So when I'm wise, which is rarely, I try to like give my, make sure my admin days that I've booked off for that time kind of land around the time of the release so I can, or at least the nice thing with pre-orders is that um, even if you're only going to put up for like a week or two, that lets you book the sites that will, 
do new releases. So you don't necessarily have to be there on release day. To, and, you know, we, we were talking about you can automate a lot of stuff ahead of time to your uh, blog posts and newsletter and that kind of thing. So something for those of us who struggle <laughs> with the focus and getting absorbed in one project to remember. All right, we've been going for an hour here, so I'll just quickly go through. My last thing is that I, I again, I don't know exactly when I'm going to find the time to do this. That's the problem, right? We all have these long lists of things we know we should be doing or we could be doing. But um, kicking around the idea of reviving my YouTube channel that I started about a little over a year ago. Um, this past summer, I mentioned that when Google demonetized it and basically said nope to running ads on audiobooks, I stopped uploading things. I'd actually stopped. I kind of run out of stuff before that, um, but I was putting a whole bunch of audiobooks up there. And the, but um, I also did some author Q and A's and kind of behind the scenes. And the fans, you know, those have a lot fewer views than the audiobooks. <laughs> People just want to listen to audiobooks. But I did have some engagement there, and I think that in combination with the audiobooks, now. I'd probably get even more because people would find me that way and then check out the channel. Um, and it's, it was all, there was a lot of organic discovery on YouTube for the audiobooks, not the Q and A's. That's very like, unless you know me and know to search for like my name and my series title or something on YouTube, which most people are not thinking to do for authors in general. You know, they're not going to type that into Google, but they do type in like urban fantasy book or epic fantasy audiobook. So, uh, while I, because of the demonetizing things, I'm not going to post whole series, but I am planning to like post book one or book one and two in a longer series. And then uh, there, YouTube is totally fine with you putting in 10 links to other sites on the, like in the description or the pinned comment and that kind of thing. So I did find that while I was doing that, it really gave a boost to my sales, especially on ACX. Uh, even though I was linking to all the sites because those are wide audio books, it particularly helped out with there. So I am thinking, you know, I, I don't know if I'll get as dedicated as doing something every week, but it might be something I try to work in when I do have my admin days each month. Like, okay, I'm going to make a video. Uh, I did find that even just doing like a 15 or 20 minute Q&A video ends up taking, you got to do like a thumbnail. You, you know, you have to go through it and listen to it. If you're inserting any, like it's anybody that knows that does video knows it, it's quite a bit of work. Any 15 minute video you see on YouTube took a lot more than 15 minutes to put together. But it did seem to be a way to, again, reach kind of that wider audience that's not just on Amazon or not just listening to stuff on Audible. And um, so something I'm considering doing, uh, again, the, the struggle with all this stuff is finding the time. There's a reason I tend to default to Amazon ads, set it up, let it run, throw some money in there, charge my card every time you get to the, <laughs> the max amount or whatever. So I, I do want to make it clear that I will still be running ads in 2020. Not that there was going to be any doubt, but um, it will certainly continue to be where I throw a bunch of my money that I have dog-eared for towards selling more books. All right, that's my last one. I think Andrea's got one more. And Andrea, what is this huge thing with bullet points and all this junk in here? Excuse me, Andrea has like 10.7 more things she's going to share now before we wrap up. It's, it's not 10 point. What is it? Oh, no, it's not a whole ton of things. It's one thing. <laughs> There's at least 10 bullets in there. Okay. okay. You go it's, ahead. And do it. It's kind of like what Joe was saying earlier, put a bigger emphasis on book launches. And I'm, I'm still hesitant about their ability to work for me. Um, but as I grow my newsletter, newsletter list and have a larger fan pace, um, 
so I can possibly get more reviews during that first week and the first couple of days. I'm willing to see if they'll work. Uh, and I just want to remind people, pretty much every launch I've ever done has failed. And the last one failed epically as in I could never get money out of it. But I've had launches fail on books that I later made six figures on. And so I'm just like, I'm like, I, I got to wrap my brain around. I, I can actually, maybe I can actually make this work. And with the romance stuff, I need to make it work because things are so competitive. So um, things I'll be doing for each book launch in 2022, I'm going to ask readers to leave reviews, but I'm not sure how to do that because I don't want to run a review team, like I said. And I also don't want to ask my newsletter list for reviews on every single book I launch. Like, hey, here's my new book. Please review it. Um, I think that would get old. Um, I also don't want to offer every book for free to my whole newsletter list in exchange for an honest review. Um, not when my list is my biggest asset for downloads. So I need to think that one over, but I do want to use my newsletter list in some way to get reviews and asking at the back of the book hasn't been a huge thing for me, mainly because it's like in my PS of my author note. It's usually one of the last things I ask for. Um, anyway, so I'll just think over that one a little bit. Um, I'm going to do newsletter swaps, 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 swaps. <laughs> it's still one of my favorite marketing tools. And I'm going to be doing that during the first week of each book launch. Um, I'm going to set each book up as a pre-order, basically that just the short possible, you know, the 10 days focus on getting Facebook ads to work during that time. And then I'm going to be hitting hard on Facebook ads and probably AMS during the launch week. I'm going to apply to all the big places for a promotional um, feature, not including BookBub, just because they're going to say no. I mean, I could anyway, but these books will be released into Kindle Unlimited, so I don't know that I will. Um, but like, for example, ENT, Reading Deals, Robin Reads, basically any place that will have me for a new release. I don't think ENT is one of them, but <laughs> anyway, so, and then I'm going to invest on me. What, have they, they on a new release? Yeah. Oh, you just have to know. have existing books with Good oh, see, that's why they didn't do me for Dr. Andrews the first time around because it was my first book, but they did me this second, this last promotion. They did you, did they? <laughs> good. I'm glad it was good for you. <laughs> I didn't say it was good for me. <laughs> oh, well, I just assumed, I mean, they are ENT. <laughs> Anyway, okay, so ENT reading deals, Robin reads, like I said, basically anywhere that will accept that I know has done well for my fantasy books and that has done well now that I'm starting to get track record with my romances. And then I'm going to be investing money back into the business. And uh, next week, that's going to be the topic of our podcast. So just a little bit of a hint there. Um, my launches will be the focus of pretty much everything when it comes to finances, other than the usual day-to-day -day cost of keeping the business running. So I'm going to set up my bit, a budget of what I need to keep the business floating. And then I'm going to put pretty much everything else in, um, into my launches because I just, I want to, I really want to give this a good effort to see if I can get book launches to work for me. Um, I need to do, be smart about it though. I don't want to do the whole spaghetti, throw everything up against the wall and see what sticks. Like I just don't, I don't believe in that theory and I don't want to do that. I'm going to be, like I said, I'm going to be smart about it. So yep, that's it. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm glad you guys are both going to try to do more stuff around launches. Uh, hopefully you'll report in and let us know how it goes. Cause I just feel that I've had the experience. So that's why I want y'all to have the experience. So like, if you are able to get the momentum going with the launch and sell enough books, you can kind of coast after that to some extent, like you're still going to hit up your newsletters and everything, of course, for subsequent book releases. And you're probably still going to want to leave some ads running to kind of help things from completely falling off the cliff afterwards. But, uh, you know, especially on Amazon, but I think to some extent on the other sites too, this is, I don't know if it's the algorithms or just after, so many sales books are linked together. Like on Amazon, we see the also bought. So we know that's a thing, uh, you know, 
realizing that each also bought this point of view is basically a link. So there's just that many doorways to your book. And I think that's part of the reason why they tend to keep selling. If you can sell a big chunk in those first few weeks, which is easier said than done, of course. All right, Joe, any final thoughts on launches or anything before we wrap here an hour and 15 minutes into a show? I think uh, I think we've given enough information for today. Excellent. And Andrea has teased our next week's episode. So I guess we're committed to doing that next time, talking about investing back into the business. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. And thank you to Joshua Pearson for producing the show. You can find the show notes and leave a comment or question at sixfigureauthors.com with the number six. And we are periodically in the Facebook group at least once a week, Six Figure Authors on Facebook. If you haven't joined us already, you can hop in there. And people that are way more helpful than us are in there more often. And we appreciate you guys. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. See y'all later. So long, everybody.